We're kicking off a series this morning called Face to Face. For the next six weeks, we'll be talking about what this means, what this looks like, and really diving into and exploring some people in the Bible who came face to face with God and how that changed their lives, how that radically just shifted everything about them when they came face to face with God. This idea of coming face to face to God, for me, comes from the scripture, Exodus 33, verse 11. And in it is this beautiful little passage that if you're reading the Bible quickly, you probably just miss it. Like you're reading through Exodus, and by the time you get to the end of Exodus, you're just like, can it be over? Like, honestly, that's kind of, there's been a lot of rules and regulations going on. This can't be over. But this gem is sitting right in the middle of this. Verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that gorgeous to think about? Like, God is speaking to him face to face as one speaks to a friend. And if I look at my life, and I look at even guys in the Bible, I'm going, how do I get to a point where I can talk to God face to face as a friend? Because if I think about that for myself, I'm, I'm way too messy. I got too much stuff. I got too much junk. I got way this terrible past. I got these things that, you know, my relationship with my kids is terrible. My marriage, I can't take that to God because he's not going to want to be around me in that. He's not going to want to talk to me. He's not going to want to see me. And that conversation, that way of thinking so counter to the truth of the matter. Because the truth of the matter is this, God cares more about who you are than where you have been. God cares more about who you are than where you have been. And so often, I've talked to lots of people. I remember in high school, uh, my first job was being a soda jerk. So I was a professional jerk. Some of you who know me well go, well, that was very apt. Uh, But I was a professional jerk, and that's what I did in the old-timey pharmacy-type soda fountain. I did that thing. But I was talking to one of my managers one day about something we were doing at church. It's like, you should come to church sometime. It'd be great. She's like, I am. I got to get too many things fixed before I can walk into church. I was like, I was 16 at the time. I had no rebuttal for this. I was just like, okay. Walked home and asked my dad. He's like, oh, they don't get it. And, and so I went back. I was like, okay, I got an answer. It's like, you don't have to have any of that stuff fixed. That's what church is for. It's like, oh, but she still didn't come. But that's okay. I tried hard. As a 16-year-old Jared, you can imagine, and working around soda, like I could have an infinite amount of caffeine. You can imagine how this was a problem for, for a Mr. Jared at 16 years old. Uh, anyway, that's another story at a different time. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. This is where I want to get in life. And as I think about that, maybe that's the first time you've ever heard of the idea of maybe I could talk to God as a friend, the creator of the universe. Oh, the greatest cosmic being would like to talk to me as a friend. How do I get there? Well, the roadblocks are not on God's side. The roadblocks are on our side. It's not like God's like, oh, my schedule is way too busy. I don't know if I can fit him in between that healing and spinning the world around. I don't, I don't know. That whole omnipresent thing is just really taxing me. Right? It's not like God's going, oh, I don't know if I can, I, you know, I don't know if I can get to Jimmy today. He's got a lot of stuff. 
you know, Larry's really causing some problems, so I don't know if I can talk to him. That's not the way God works. The roadblocks are on our side. God cares more about who you are than where you have been. This has been true with guys in the Bible, women and men in the Bible, all throughout history, and it's true for us today. And I'm going to show you a bunch of different guys over the next six weeks that have probably got worse pasts than you. You're like, want to bet? No, well, wait a second. We're going to go over some of those today. But they have crazy stuff going on in their past, and God still meets these guys face to face. I'm going to go over two roadblocks that we put up that keep us from connecting with God. The first is this. We let our past become a roadblock to meeting God. We let our past become a roadblock to meeting God. We think this happened, that happened. This happened, I did this, or that was done to me. And we, we build up these, these walls or these roadblocks so that we, we don't want to meet with God face to face. You know, after, after the story with Moses, when he meets God face to face and is talking to him, his friend, he has changed so much. He is, his physical appearance has been changed so much that all of his friends tell him to wear a mask for the rest of his day. Because his face is glowing with the glory of the Lord. So like if he comes down off the, after prayer time with God, he's got to put a veil over his head and walk around. This would be really, really weird, I think, for conversations. I deal with so much with how people's facial expressions, you know, I don't know how that would work for me. Like, is Moses mad at me? Is he sad? I don't know. I can't see anyway. He's blinding me with the, the, the glow. He had some really good Mary Kay product or something. I don't know what was going on there. Was, uh, we let our past become a roadblock to meeting God. Two guys that let this happen. First is Jacob. The second is uh, Moses. Jacob is a liar, a cheater, a stealer, basically a jerk face. This is his job description. This is who Jacob is. The father who gets his name changed to Israel. He gets to be the father of a nation. He is a jerk. Genesis 32 Verse 26 to 27. I'm not going to go all the ways in which he is a jerk and how he overcomes that. I'll do that next week. But uh, Jacob is a jerk. Moses is a murderer. Moses is the second most important person in the scripture. He killed a guy with a trident. No, that's not. He actually went out and hit a... a, Get the Anchorman reference. Good for you. If you don't, if you feel bad about laughing about that in church, it's okay here. All right. He killed a guy. We don't know how. He is a murderer. Yet God says, I don't care about your past. I'm going to redeem all of that. Jacob. He deals with his past, the stuff that he did, the way he cheated people out, the way he, uh, he uses people. And he gets to this point He gets to this place where he actually wrestles with God. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob answered. Jacob, he answered. Sorry. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And think about that. Here's Jacob. He is wrestling with God. And sometimes this is how we feel in our own lives. Like 
maybe we're not even wrestling with God. We're just running away from God. Like if we're honest with ourselves, I don't want to wrestle with God. I don't want to grapple with him. I don't want to deal with the situations. But some of us, we need to turn our way of thinking to going, you know what? This is a big issue and I need to wrestle with it. We got big issues that we deal with with, with the way of life. We got big issues that maybe we, we got to deal with with God. We got to deal with how does creation work? How does evolution work? What, what is that? I need to wrestle with that. How do I deal with, with what love is and love in a, in, a, in a marriage context between a man and a woman? And what does it look like in homosexual marriage? And what, how do I deal with that, God? How do, I, how do I deal with these big issues? And these are wrestling with God moments. It's where we grab on so tight. Like, I don't know what the answer is, God, but I'm holding on and I will not let you go. I will not let go. I'm holding on. I was at Chuck E. Cheese, had a birthday party for my kids at Chuck E. Cheese this week. And this just popped in my head of an example of this. If you remember, uh, if you've ever been there, had the esteemed pleasure of chasing a bunch of uh, six, seven-year-olds around Chuck E. Cheese. It's a good time, had by all. Um, Or by the kids, maybe not the parents. Um, So... So I had, there's a gorilla in the corner and you, it's like a vibrating machine or a shock machine or whatever. And you, you, if you hold on tight, tickets come out. And so I'm like, Kendall's like, I want some tickets, daddy. Like my little, you know, seven-year-old daughter is telling me she needs tickets. Well, daddy's got to go beat the machine. This is what's going on, right? So you guys all know where this is going. And so I put the tokens in and I grab onto the thing and, and I'm just holding on. This is not going to beat me. I'm going to get a thousand tickets for my little daughter. This is going to be awesome. I'm holding on, I'm holding on, holding on. It's going, you're doing great. Oh, all this stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm beating this kid machine because I'm a man. But I'm holding on tight. And I'm like, there's going to be 500 tickets come out of this thing. She's going to buy the big fluffy bear that's worth four cents. And uh, she's going on. And the thing ends. And there's like six tickets that came out. My hands are like numb. And I'm like, just taking it. The rest of the day. Like, she's like, do it again, Dad. I was like, no. Here's $2. Go buy the stupid bear. That intensity, that intensity of I'm holding on has got to be our attitudes towards God. Because sometimes, maybe often, even for, for me, a lot of times, I come up against an issue. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a, it's a social economic issue. Whatever your issue is, your roadblock is, your past issue is, we start to grab on a guy. I'm like, this is just too hard. Jacob only gets blessed because he held on. Through the whole night, he wouldn't let go. And I got a feeling there's some issues that you're dealing with, some stuff you're going through, that what the answer really is, is just hold on tight. Moses. Moses wanders from God, yet his past is forgiven and leveraged. Moses wanders from God, yet his past is forgiven and and leveraged. Moses, we already talked about him killing a guy. He goes out to the desert. He runs away. He is an outlaw, basically. He goes out into the Sinai Peninsula and wanders around it for about 40 years. He's chasing sheep around a desert. This does not sound like what he was hoping for his life to be, right? Moses is wandered from God. He's wandered from the purpose of his life. He's wandered from everything, all the potential that it held Yet one day he meets God in a burning bush. And from that moment, everything is different. His past, God just uses. His past is forgiven and leveraged. 
Because also in his past is getting to know the royal court. Also in his past is becoming a leader. Also in his past is all this, this equipping that God had put in there. But he said, you know what? There is bad stuff in your past, but I'm still going to leverage it for who you can be. In the 40 years of wandering around the desert, he doesn't even know who God is or who himself is. You ever feel like you don't know who God is and maybe you don't even know who you are anymore? When we meet face-to-face with God, we get to learn about God and ourselves. Second roadblock is this. We let issues become our roadblock to meeting God. We let our issues, we got stuff, we got things we got to work through. First guy that that comes to mind when I think about issues, but still come face to face with God is a guy named Jonah. Now, if you went to Sunday school back in the day, or you watched some VeggieTales, you know all about a whale that swallows Jonah. The reason this whale swallows Jonah is because he is running away from God. Really, what is going on is Jonah's a racist. And he, if I put it in modern day context, it'd basically be like if God said, Jared, you need to go and evangelize to all of those Green Bay Packer fans. Right? I'm going to make it light for racism today. But, if you, but we're in Chicago, so that's a deep hate. I understand. You need to go evangelize to those Packer fans. And instead of going up, to Green Bay, I was like, nope, I'm going to St. Louis. And basically, he just turns his, gets on a ship, turns on his car, and goes the other way. And what God does is like, no, 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 no. I'm picking you up, and I'm going to take you to Green Bay. This is, this is what's, what's going on in the, you'll talk about more of that in a few weeks, but this is what's going on in the scripture. This guy said, no, 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 you can run away, but I'm still going to redirect your path so that you get to do what you're called to do. Jonah runs away from God because he's got issues. Jonah runs away from God, yet he meets him where he is. He meets him in his wayward thinking. He meets him in his hateful kind of thought. He meets him and says, no, 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 there's a use for you. You need to to change from this. Do you ever feel like you're running, running away from God in your thought process? You've just chosen. You're like, I know this is not how I was raised. This is not where I've been. This is not where, what anyone wants from me, from my mom to my dad to I know God doesn't want this from me. But I just keep on running this way, and I don't even know how to change it. God wants to meet you face to face and speak to you as a friend. Another person in the scripture, Elijah. Elijah is depressed and suicidal, and yet God meets him in his darkest time. Elijah is depressed and suicidal, and yet God meets him in his darkest time. You're like, oh, that is a serious issue. He, he really is. In, in, in Kings, he has had this huge mountaintop experience. He runs away. He keeps on running and running and running because someone's chasing him and wants to kill him. And basically, he crawls into a cave and says, just let me die here. I don't want to go on. It's not worth it anymore. Some of you are in, this, in a place that's not too far off from that. You know that God loves you and cares for you, and he wants to meet with you face to face. 
See, Elijah overcomes this. When God meets him face to face, God sets him on a new path. Instead of just for that one thing, that one thing that you did, Elijah, and now I'm going to set you on a new path. A path that's not about you and the miracles that you perform, but it's a path about you raising up a whole generation of prophets. Instead of being the only prophet in the whole country, he raises up prophet after prophet after prophet. Instead of just being the focal point, he multiplies his influence. God meets him at his lowest point and changes his trajectory. The last guy I want to look at today is this, Isaiah. Isaiah is just a boy lacking in direction, yet God meets him. Isaiah is just a kid, kind of doing his thing, probably a teenager, 13, 14 years old, hanging out in the temple, doing whatever he's told, mopping a lot of floors. And all of a sudden, he's woken up by the voice of God, and he has no idea what it is because he's never heard God's voice, and no one in the temple, none of the priests have ever heard it either. Isaiah is just a boy, lacking direction, yet God meets him. Isaiah 6, verse 5 through 8. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I have lived among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King and the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim, which is an angel, flew to me with a live coal in his hand. And we had taken the tongs from the altar when he touched my mouth and said, See, this, hand, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. God met him and set him on a mission. Maybe we feel like we don't have direction. Maybe we feel like there's not purpose in our life. Maybe we feel like we're just wandering around and giving from paycheck to paycheck, doing our thing every week. God wants to meet you and set you on something better. Do you realize that God loves you and has a plan for your life? No matter what your past is, whatever the stuff is, the, the roadblocks you've put up, God intimately loves you and wants to speak to you face to face as a friend. God cares more about who you are than where you have been. Maybe this is a day that we start a relationship with God again. Maybe today is a day in which we say, you know what? I've been running from God. I've put up all kinds of roadblocks. I've got all kinds of past issues. I've got all kinds of stuff. Maybe I find myself in a dark, dark place and I need a way out. The way out is humbling ourselves before God and saying, God, I need you. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that, that really means yet, but God, I, I know I need something different. And so this morning, I just want to ask you, a simple question, I guess. Do we realize that God wants to have a relationship with us? Are we satisfied with the way things have been going? Do we want more out of this life? Do we want more out of our eternity? God cares more about who you are than where you have been. He loves you more intimately than you can ever know. He sees all of your hurts and your pain, and the stuff that's happened, and he still loves you. He sees the way that you've mistreated other people, the way that you've caused problems, and he still loves you 
even through that. God cares more about you than you can ever know. If this is you today, would you please pray with me? Everyone bow your head and close your eyes. God, I want to turn to you. I personally, Jared Hauser, wanted to turn to you. I want to seek your face in everything I do. I want to talk to you like a friend. God, if we're honest with ourselves in this moment, in this time, we don't even know what that looks like. God, we've been putting up a pretty good front. We act like we got it all together. We act like we can handle it all. God, right now, I just want to pull down those walls, bear my soul to you, and say, God, will you forgive me of my stuff, of that past, the junk? God, will you give me a new life? Will you give me hope? Will you give me a future? God, we love you. No matter where you find us today, God, will you just seek us out? We want to see your face. We want to love you more. We want to know you more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.